Hello, my name is Sandy and uh, my husband and I are congregational pastors of Family Church Waterlooville and I've been invited just to share a little bit of my life story with you. I was born in the UK but raised in South Africa, um, didn't um, have any church background, um, wasn't raised in church, I didn't have any Christian upbringing at all. Um, in fact, my parents, while I was growing up, my parents used to, to drink really heavily. Um, in fact, uh, my mother was an alcoholic and died at the age of 48 from um, pancreatic cancer caused by um, excessive drinking. Um, but um, as I grew up in this environment, um, um, life was was pretty unpleasant I suppose at times there was a lot of fighting there was a lot of bickering in the house and so as a result I just went out and sought comfort in drinking myself and so by the time I reached matric in South Africa when I was 17 years old I was pregnant now bearing in mind that this is 1976 in South Africa and to be unmarried and pregnant was an absolute shame. It was a taboo. And my mother said these words over me and um, she said, your life is over, you, ha you have no future, um, you've made your bed, now you must lie in it. And I believed that lie for 15 years. I lived my life according to that lie for 15 years. Um, I married um, the father of my child and but by the time I was 20 years old um, I was divorced with a three-year-old daughter who I continued to, to raise on my own until she left home when she herself married later in life and throughout um, throughout those 15 years um, I just I went through a number of really bad relationships. I was looking for love and acceptance and um, security, um, but I was looking for it in all the wrong places. And by the time I was 32, um, I had reached rock bottom. Um, I was seeing a psychologist for um, insomnia and severe depression. And um, I was on medication and um, I was receiving counseling, but really I had reached rock bottom. There was just no way up. I couldn't see any way up um, at that stage in my life. And then one day my daughter, who at that time was 15 years old, came home from school and said to me that she wanted to get water baptized. So bearing in mind, there was no church still in my life, no God or anything like that in my life. But I said to my daughter that I would support her in any religious decisions that she made. And so the following Sunday, I went to her water baptism to go and watch her getting water baptized. I was really surprised. I didn't know that um, these, these events actually took place. And even more surprised when we landed up in this huge big auditorium that seated 5,000 people. It was a mega church in South Africa. I didn't know such a thing existed. But I walked in and I was overwhelmed and intrigued by these people who were gathering around and worshiping God and they looked like they were enjoying it. That to me, you know, normally you'd go to church in my understanding and you'd be attending God's funeral, right? 
But these people, they seemed to love one another and there was a joy and there was an enthusiasm around, and, but not in a hippie way. You know what I'm saying? It was in a very real, committed kind of way. And this intrigued me. And something touched my heart that day and I couldn't wait for the next week because I wanted to go back, which I did. And the following week, I went back again. And then on the 15th of September, 1991, I went back again. It was two weeks after my daughter's baptism. And I heard this message being preached about a God who loved me and gave his life for me. And that he wanted to fill every part of my life. And I responded. I said, I need this. This is what I want in my life. This is the love and acceptance that I needed in my life. And on that day, the 15th of September, 1991, I received Jesus Christ into my life. And in some ways, you know what, my mother's words were correct. Uh, my life was over. But on that day, I suddenly went from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, to having a vision, to knowing that God loved me so much, that He had a future and a hope for me, that I wasn't there by accident, I wasn't a mistake, but that He loved me and He had a future and a hope for me. I just embraced everything that He had for me. He took away my hurt. He took away my pain, my despair, my rejection, my dejection. And it was like somebody had turned the lights on in my life. I literally went from darkness to light. And to this day, 30 years later, God still shows himself strong on my behalf. Life has, life has happened, things have moved on, but God has been faithful throughout. And even though 30 years have, have moved on, I know that in Him I still have a future and a hope. Hello, my name is uh, Jonathan Wood. Um, I'm here today just to share my testimony um, and what God's done in my life. So, Obviously, it started when I was a child. Uh, my parents were both Christians, uh, both loved God, and you know it was very important for them to implement that in our childhood. Um, always went to church on Sundays. That was just a normal thing to do. Um, loads of prayer meetings used to go to, uh, and as a family in the evenings, my parents always used to share Bible stories, uh, and I loved that. And I think it was around the age of four, I was like, "Yep, yeah, I want to know God." Uh, and my mum said, well, let's pray then. And we prayed a prayer and I was like, yeah, I'm saved. Woo. Now at four years old, I mean, you don't really know much of what goes on in the world. Uh, and yeah, I guess it was just that simple sort of faith that God says in the Bible about like, child's faith. And as a child, there was multiple things that I saw uh, God provide for our family. Uh, we weren't obviously the richest of families and there was a lot of us. Um, and we didn't have a lot of money, uh, but I saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle in providing uh, for us. I remember there was a time when my dad had no vehicle. As a family, we didn't have a vehicle, and 
you know, one day randomly there was £5,000 put through our letterbox and we were able to go and buy a van for us all and it was great but there was also times where people were suffering with illnesses and as a child always always was taught you know pray when you're suffering pray when when you're ill pray and expect a miracle and these people we prayed for um, and believed and over a number of years um, nothing changed nothing happened and they actually passed away and for me that that caused so many issues in thinking of why is this God that is so powerful, so loving, just let these people die. Um, and it question, I questioned it, I ne and I never, never said any anything to anyone. I never spoke to anyone about it. I just kind of hid it away in my heart because, I guess, to some degree, I was almost hurt and a little annoyed. Uh, now, as I was around about the age of 10, 11, so still really young, and I, I had these questions, but I never shared it. Um, obviously, when these things happened, my parents did come around and say, "Look, this is this is what's happened," and they explained it. Um, but in my head, I, I was questioning things, um, and then I got to a range at the age of about 11, 12, and there were some other people who were in church my age, and they wasn't really on fire for God. Um, they didn't really like God. They didn't really like church, and I used to hang around them, and I wanted to be like them. And I started being like, nah, I don't want anything to do with church. I don't like church, church is boring. Um, and that, that was my mindset. Um, and then it got to the point where I started hating going to church. I started hating church. Uh, I always grew up in it and I wanted to know something different. I wanted to see what it was like not to go to church on a Sunday morning, not to go to a, a prayer meeting on the Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday. And I was like, I want something different. Uh, so I started hating all that sort of thing and then it came a time when I was aged to go to Momentum and I was like, ah, let's give that a go, some other young people there, why not? Uh, I got there and it was awesome because all these people who were like my age were loving God and I was like, I want this, like, why is it I haven't got this? Um, and there was this whole like battle conflict going in my head, I was like, is God real? Because you know, all these people are doing it, but then again, these people died of it. So I was this conflict. And then there was this Rock Nations conference that was coming up, which uh, Momentum used to go to. And I was like, you know what? If God wants to do something, let's, um, let's see what he does there. So um, I was getting all prepared for Rock Nations and whatnot. And just before we went, there was a girl in Momentum. Her name was Joshuana. And she shared a word and it said, if you're struggling with anything with God, write it down on a piece of paper, tear it up and put it in a bucket. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do that. So I wrote down doubt, tore it up, threw it in a bucket. I was like, God, deal with it. Um, we got to Rock Nations. The first day was great. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, hands in the air, worship it, woo. But nothing happened. I was like, mm, what's going on there? And then the second day, done the same thing, clapping, worshiping, blah, 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 and nothing happened. The third day, I was like, right, God, something's got to change because, you know, the whole point of here is to experience you. Um, and nothing happened throughout the whole day and then it got to the evening. Uh, I raised my hands, it was a great word. And I was like, look, I've had enough. I've had enough of like pretending I like to go into church. I've had enough faking going to church and saying I like it. And then I was like, let your Holy Spirit fall upon me. And it was at that moment that God was like, I'm here. And it answered every single question. It answered everything I had. And it just felt, he just said, I'm here. Don't worry, I'm here. Relax. And I experienced his presence. I experienced his voice. 
and I experienced this peace. There hadn't been a lot of peace in my head and suddenly felt peace and I remember just falling into tears because I just experienced this God for myself. Like I've got to that point in life where, you know, what my parents had experienced wasn't enough of what I needed. And I finally found something and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is why my parents love God. This is why my parents have been teaching all this time about God because actually he is so good. And it was amazing. And then I went back home and I was like, I want a Bible. And I had a Bible, but it's a slightly more childish Bible. And I was like, I want a Bible. I want a proper Bible. Uh, I remember I would sit there reading for hours and just loving it and just really growing in the Word of God. And it was great. It was fantastic. And it was great. And something, I guess, a theme of my life is where I was doubting God. God took me on a journey of trust so that I would fully believe in Him. Um, in regards to obviously I wanted a girlfriend, I wanted to find someone who could be my companion. I was like, I'm going to trust God to provide the right person at the right time. And when he does, I will have peace with it. And when I met Nate, I had peace with it. And I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. Um, throughout the, all this time, I believe God's just show it said, trust, trust me and follow after me and trust, just trust and I won't let you down. So anyone watching, just Whatever, if you're struggling, if there's anything going on in your world that just seems messy, just trust it and just give it over to him because he will provide. Hello, my name is Hannah and this is my story. Before I met Jesus, I would say I lived a pretty average life. Yes, it had its ups and downs, but overall it was pretty average. I had a great family who loved me, um, friends, relationships, work. Um, there was a period in my life where I got very, very sad. Um, we had lots of loss in our lives and I just fell into this despair of not really knowing what was going on. Um, I had managed to bring myself out of that and started a new job, but I'd found myself one weekend talking to my mum and I was just crying saying, Mum, there must, there must be more to life than this. Like, I just don't understand. I'd lost all my friends. I had lost my relationships. And I was just feeling like there was just something missing in my life. That next week, I had two very significant conversations. Um, at work, they were both at work. And one was um, this girl who basically said, I just need to get out there and just start clubbing and partying and everything will start to feel better again. And then I had another significant conversation. This one was an invitation, an invitation to a fun day that his church was holding. I chose the, the um, fun day because I thought, well, I've done the clubbing thing and I didn't really find that that much fun. So I decided to go to the fun day. And at this fun day, I found this bunch of people who just seemed so content and seemed so happy that on a Saturday they were out in this community just being around people they didn't know and putting on this free event. And I just watched in like confusion really about why they were so happy doing this on a Saturday. Um, anyway, I went to this fun day, I stayed there for the whole day. And at the end of it, my friend who had invited me um, said like, if you like this, come, why don't you come on Sunday to um, my church and see what it's like there, the same people were there. So I thought, why not, let's go to church. Little did I know in, in that part of my life that that person who invited me would soon become my husband, but that's another story. So I went to church on Sunday 
And I found the same people still so happy. So I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe they weren't just doing it for the fun day. Um, they were so happy and so content. And the strangest thing is they remembered who I was and they were so friendly and so kind. Um, so I listened to the service and then there came the point where they said, would you like to receive Jesus? And the interesting thing about my life is I've always known there was something. I always knew there was a God or there was something bigger than me. Um, had I always believed there was God, I probably had times in my life where I absolutely didn't believe. But for the most part, I always thought there must be something more to life than, than just me, just this, this life. So um, when they said about this Jesus, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I've heard of like Jesus in a manger, but I hadn't really known Jesus. I thought, well, they're asking me to receive Jesus into my heart. So I decided then that that was what I was going to do, that maybe that is the missing thing that I've been looking for. So yes, I decided I was going to get to know Jesus. So I thought, how do you do that? So I heard them talking about a Bible. So I decided I was going to read the Bible and find out who Jesus was, not what they were saying, but who he was in this Bible. And that's what I did. I read the New Testament and then later on I read the whole Bible. Um, and then I surrounded myself with people that knew him and I would ask questions. Whatever the question was, there was never ever too a silly a question to the people that I asked and they would help me and guide me. And then I decided that to join teams. So I joined the setup team, I joined kids church and actually in kids church, I learned so much stuff from the kids, from the teaching and I just got really involved. And I, I found the missing piece in my life. You see, I found Jesus. And now, seven years later, here I am, still fully passionate and in love with Jesus and the church. So am I saying that in my life, everything has been wonderful since I've come to know Jesus? No, I can't sit here and say it's all been butterflies and rainbows and wonderful. There has been very, very hard times in my life and some, some things I really hope that none of you will have to go through. But you see, the difference now is I have an assurance. I have a peace that you will never understand unless you have Christ. I have a joy that doesn't make sense. And I have a love from a creator that not only created the universe, but wants to know me. Jesus wants to know me. That just blows my mind still now, seven years later, that Jesus wants to know who I am. He cares about my life. Of all the lives in the world, he cares about my life. He cares about my family's lives and my friends' lives. We sing this song in church about Jesus, who is the way maker and the promise keeper. And you see, these to me aren't just words. They're not just words of a song because I have seen God make a way when there seems to be no way. I have seen him fulfill promises that only God could do. You see, he is a way maker. I've seen him heal people. I've seen him fulfill promises. I've seen him do things that you could never dream or imagine. So what am I saying to you today? I'm saying that I have found the missing piece. I was just an average person living an average life. But now I'm a passionate person for Christ who loves him, who has a creator who loves her. And this is the Jesus that I want you to know. I want you to find your missing piece. Hey, weren't they some just great testimonies or real life stories of what this God that we say we serve has done in people's lives? You know, every one of them unique. I love those stories from Sandy and from Jono and then from Hannah. 
And uh, I love to, I don't know about you, I love to just sit there and listen to the stories of how people uniquely found God. You know, not one of them's the same. They're like fingerprints. They've all got kind of common bits that are the same, but then they go off on different angles of how God went to a lot of effort to reach a person's life. Now today, it's a joy to be um, joined by somebody that's become a good friend of mine now, and his name's Paul Dyer. And Paul has got a very unique story uh, of his own, and I know you're going to enjoy it today. And uh, I want to just introduce you firstly to Paul. This is Paul Dyer. Paul is a a Portsmouth lad, and uh, you've got a real-life story, Paul, of what God has done in you encountering him. But again, I love it that we don't just tell stories of the moment we met him, but really the best bit of the story is what happened afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, well, me, I know about you. Tell the people that are watching, Paul, a little bit about who is Paul Dyer? Um, well, I'm 50 years of age. I was born in Portsmouth and St. Mary's. Um, my mother and father was Paul Dyer, Ellen Dyer, and I've got a brother and sister called Cindy and Mark. Um, an average family, an ordinary family. I come from a Christian family, but an, an average family. Um, I'm married to Julie Dyer. I have a, a hey, daughter. You better give a shout out to Julie, mate. Hi, right, Julie. How you doing? You all right? <laughs> <laughs> Our birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Julie. And um, I've got a daughter who's 17, and that's uh, Tilly Dyer. And um, she's now just joined the worship team as well. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What do you do for work, Paul? Um, I'm I road servicing. Okay. Yeah, so I do drives, roads, stuff like that. Man, that keeps you fit, right? Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. I yeah. suppose that's better work in the summer and, and in the spring than what it is in the winter. Uh, I prefer it in the winter because in the summer, when it's so hot, you get hot. But in the, in the winter, it keeps you warm. That's why I chose it. <laughs> How long have you done that, Paul? Um, about <coughs> 20 years, really, 20 years. on and off. Yeah. What did you do when you left school? Um, th- now, we, we haven't preempted it. These are just questions that I'm coming up with live. So mm. you're doing great, Paul, at answering these. Um, yeah, uh, I started off as a welder, fabrication and welding. Done that for about a year or so. Got bored of that. Then I swapped over and done some painting, decorating. And I got bored of that. And then I, I met, um, I've got a good friend of mine, Darren Doe. His dad employed me to do groundwork. Okay, and you've so, been doing that for 20 years? Uh, well, servicing, I worked with my father because yeah. he was a foreman on a, a big servicing company and I started working for it, with, with him. And um, yeah, Always a, been around Portsmouth? Always. Well, sort of. I, when I, I, did, I did live in Bristol and, yeah. and Essex and London for a while. Pompey born, Pompey bred. Pompey born, Pompey bred, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, uh, working on the roads and the surfaces keeps you fit. Mm. I mean, you know, getting that tarmac. But there's another aspect to your life that is quite unique. And that's that uh, you were very, very much into boxing. Mm. You yourself was a boxer, yeah. but also you've been involved um, more recently in training other boxers. Um, how did you get into boxing, Paul? Well, I was quite late for being into boxing, actually. I was about 15 years of age. It was normally a bit late. Normally kids get into it about nine or ten. But um, basically I got bullied a little bit at school. I thought, I've had enough of being bullied. So I thought, I need to do something about this. So, and that's how I started off, really. And just went to the local gym, started training, and it went from there. And, and so from about 15 onward, boxing was uh, uh, quite a key part of your life. Yeah, it was my life, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's interesting. And were you good? Um, yeah, I was all right, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I heard you were good. I heard yeah. different people like Darren Doe and that have said you, you yeah. were good. You, you were on your toes there. I mean, 
I, I had goes at boxing, but it was only when I'd kind of watched Rocky movies, I thought, I can do this, you know. And it lasted about two weeks, you know, raw eggs, out running in my, in my grey sweatshirt. But then I was like back in the pub messing up. And yeah, uh, yeah but you were consistent. There's a lot of discipline in the boxing, hey? Oh, very much so, yeah, a lot of discipline. Um, funny you saying about Rocky, the gyms used to be filled up after a Rocky movie. You used to see them all come in. You know. It's probably me. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's very disciplined sport, hard sport. You're very, it's a very lonely sport because it's only you that's doing the training. You're around your people, but it's you in that ring, you alone. And, um, yeah, it's very, shall I say, um, it's an emotional sport. Because when you get in the ring, you know the objective of a game is that other guy's going to punch you in the face. Yeah, you know you're going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, even Muhammad Ali was the best fighter that I, I personally think he's ever lived in there. He's still got it. So you're going to get it no matter what. And you can't really train yourself yeah. to be hit. You just, yeah. you know, hope you don't get it as often. That's all. So you were boxing from 15 um, right up to what age were you boxing, Paul? I, I started at 15. I, I, I boxed right up to I was 32. And then you stopped I, for a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. But then something unusual happened. You, you, you felt um, just to pull for a comeback, right? For, mm. to, to, to pick up the gloves again, whatever they would term it, to get back in the ring. Now, how old were you at this point? I was about 37. What was going on with that? Was it something you didn't feel was completed? Yeah, I, I messed about with my career. I, you know, I, I wasn't um, fully committed to my career and I just felt I had more to offer. I wanted to achieve a little bit more. And so that's what made me really come back you know, at the time. And I can remember that was the time that you were kind of dancing around, coming into church every now and then. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Mm. But you asked me to come to some fights with you, mm. pray for you. And mm. I can remember they were fun times. And uh, that was just a, a brilliant non-church setting for me. I mean, sitting around the ring watching you fight and in your changing room beforehand, Paul, praying for you. I can remember sitting around the ring. Oh, my goodness, the language and the violence. And that was just the women. <laughs> that was just the women, wasn't it? I mean, it was like, oh, I remember sitting there like, what is going on? It's going to kick off. I think you're safer in the ring. Yeah. I mean, some of those ladies, oh, my goodness, I was hearing words I'd never heard, yeah. Paul. It's, it's, it's a big environment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, and you came in, and I can remember over those times, you, you, you really had that desire to, to give that another shot. But then you got into training others, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. What did you learn in that comeback moment? Um, it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. Um, your body wouldn't do what you, your heart no, wanted it to. that's right. Um, I got myself in the top ten still, which is an <laughs> achievement on its own, but it was too late. It was, it was gone. The, the, the reflexes and the stuff was just... Listening to Eye of a Tiger just couldn't help you. No, not at all. Yeah, no more no, Rocket Man. No. Oh, that's awesome. Now, the reason I want to pick up on this storyline is it's, it's actually got a parallel in another section of your life where... You were almost dancing around um, getting something going with God, weren't you? I can remember yeah. those years. It was probably around that time of comeback. Mm. You were in church, but then you weren't for months. It, I could see you were having a go, but you knew that God fitted in your life and you needed a relationship with God. But your heart wasn't fully in it. Mm -hmm. um, and you'd come for a number of weeks. I remember looking out thinking, oh, Paul's here again, Paul's here again. You know, mm. pastors, you look out on stage and you... Mm. You're sitting there looking at who's there and who's not. Not the last 50-odd weeks. We ain't got a clue who's, mm -hmm. who's there now. But in those days, you know, when we used to all kind of meet together, and those days are coming back, somebody say amen. Amen. Um, but look at, and then you wouldn't be there for months. Mm. But then there was a Sunday when it all changed. Yeah. Where 
you came in and I thought, oh, Paul's back again. That, that's awesome. <clears throat> and you'd, you'd come with your family, a couple of your friends. But something was different that day. Mm. Something was different. It, it was like you weren't playing at it. What, what, Paul, you came into that meeting. We meet in, as you know, an old school hall, a, a gym, sports hall. But you came in and I know something happened in that meeting mm-hmm. that changed everything. Paul, what, could you tell the people that are watching, what happened in that meeting? Um, I can remember the exact words you actually said. It was about growing up, about, you know, stop feeding on milk and honey and grow up and, you know, push forward, you, you, you know. And he was talking away and it, funny thing, it was like really loud in my, my ear and I thought, so I got up and I walked over the other side of the hall, I thought that's too loud. And then it started again. Like really loud with what he was saying. I thought this is this is mad, and I started shaking, crying, you know. And it's just like a massive moment, just awakening. It's just it's really hard to explain, but it was just boom. It was there. Something. The Lord really got hold of me. He said, "Come on in. Come on, stop messing around." Had you come to church for anything different that day, Paul? Sorry. Had you come to church that day expecting anything? No, different? not at all. I just, you know. Almost felt an obligation. I just thought, oh, I've got to go to church again, you know, because my life weren't brilliant. I I needed a change. I needed something. And I knew something niggling back in my head saying, come on, go go to church, try and find it. And then, boom, bam. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. I can remember that meeting, Paul, coming to you afterwards. And and you were a mess, in a good sense. You were, like, undone. You you were like, and what's happening? What's going on, you Mm. know? Mm. Um... And I remember thinking, Lord, you're doing something with Paul here. Um, but in my heart, I was like, oh, man, I hope he comes back two weeks, three weeks. Because up to that point, your heart was in it, but it wasn't. And when you mm. got distracted by other stuff, yeah. it, we'd lose years, wouldn't we? Yes. And then we'd see each other. Mm. But then I was watching and you were there, boom, every week. You, you were on set up to, you were on this, you were like... Mm. What can we do to help? I've got, I've got to be more... I thought, something's, something's shifted here because mm. you always were sincere before. I suppose, like, with boxing, you were, you were in it but not 100% in the ring. Mm-hmm. But I think that morning you stepped into the ring with God mm-hmm. 100%. Um, all right, that's, a, that's an incredible moment, Paul, a win where God in, touched your heart, you encountered him. How long ago was that? That was about... Coming up just over two years now, two, about two years. Two years, and yeah. that's interesting because the last year hasn't been church as we've known it, mm. where a lot of people have drifted away, went into spiritual furlough, mm. forgot where they put their Bible. Mm. You didn't. No. We've been in contact over that time, and, mm. and you're up, you're an early riser anyway, digging into God, mm. just can't get enough of anything that God's doing and the church is doing. All right, this is the big question I think people are watching. All right, so what? You went to church, you gave your life fully to God, what happened next? How did your life change? And, and just, just be honest, Paul, what happened from that moment in how you lived and you saw life, you saw family, you saw things that you were addicted to before in some ways? How, mm. What changed? The Holy Spirit come into my life big time. And um, I was up early mornings reading. The, I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't. Yeah. This changed my life, completely changed my life, reading the word. And I just couldn't get enough of it. I was up early in the morning, to give my first to the Lord, everything first to the Lord, and it completely changed me. Uh, my, my my living at home with my wife, my attitude indoors, um, everyday life, but even at work, 
I go to work, I think I'm going for the glory for God. This is not because I want to work. And um, yeah, just, just, it, it's just, I read something that said, taking the scales from my eyes, and that's exactly what happened. I saw things completely it different. It just started to make sense. It makes sense. It wasn't for me, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's, everything's about the Lord. What, what was Julie and your daughter making of all this, Paul? They know you. Oh, everyone thought, what's going on? That, it was completely different. She said it was like that, literally like that. He said, well, you went to church, come around, you changed. I went, that's how quick it was. It got, God sort of like pushed the fast button on me. The last 10 years that I missed out, bat, bat slid, he went, and it's gone fast forward. And I'm thinking, it's like a speed. He's, God said he, he takes back your years and bring them back to you. And that's exactly what happened. You think that's because you got in the ring with God and said, all in? All in. All in. If you're not all in, you won't get it all out. You know, you can't fake it and make it. You can't do it in the spiritual world. You might be doing in the worldly. You can you can fake it and get away with it. You can't do it over here. You've got to give the Lord anything. Now, our wives and our children, they know us, right? Yeah. So you ain't going to fake it. No. If it ain't God, time's going to prove that, right? Yes. But also, come on, mate. You're working with road crews. You're oh. working. It's not like you're in an office with with. You're working with, with guys that are just real, yeah. full on. Yeah. Shovel's a shovel. Yeah. Um, again, um, talking about things, you know. Suddenly you pitch up, right, and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus. God's changed my life. Yeah. How did that work out for you? Well, <laughs> yeah, they think whatever's going on with him. I was a talk of the town at first, you know what I mean? And I thought, you know, I'm just going to get this over. I went on Facebook and thought, right, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'll put it out there publicly. This is me. This is what I'm doing. And um, the reception I got was, some was great. Yeah, good on you. And some was, why he's losing his marbles. He's, he's, and someone said to me, God, you've changed, Paul. I said, no, I ain't changed. The Lord's changed me. I could not do this. I've had 40 years of trying to do this, and I couldn't do it. And then he's changed me. So, yeah, it was mixing of everyone. And I remember people was trying to push me at work, trying to test me. And I remember having a chat with a, a good pastor on top of a hill, we were tucking into a greasy burger, and said to me, that poor guy is dead. I was it's training over. you, Paul. That's, that's how I train people. On the hill with a greasy burger. Bit of a different gym, uh, but yeah. it works. But, but what, it did, what work. did I say to you? You said I was having trouble at work with people pushing me and stuff, and I, and I didn't know how to quite react, and I knew, you know, and he said to me, that poor guy is dead. Let it go. And, you know, I knew I had a bit of a reputation and a bit of an ego, and I'm gone. I thought, yeah, I don't need to write this no more. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a different person. I'm a new creation. And, wolf, that was a great out for me. You found the old you and the new you in Romans 6, the one that had died, been buried, was no more, and the new person that God says you are. Yeah. And, again, you've been full on, Paul, with, again, lockdown's been a bit of a crazy time, but with some of our ministries, like Baby Basics and stuff like that, you're like, what can I do? What can I do? Yeah. Sunday I've nights with our Sunday pest. Night Live, you're, mm. you're there. Mm. Um, but also, behind the scenes... You just can't get enough of God, can you, in his not word? Enough, not enough, not enough. It's, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, hungry, hungry. You can't feed me enough for it, the spiritual. And that's, the thing is, I used to, when I first started walking properly, I was getting things, bits and pieces off YouTube and stuff. Some good on there, some not so good, as you know. But it wasn't until I picked up the Bible and started reading God's word that I realised that this is, this, this is what changes you. God's word. You get to know him. You get to know his will. And it's his will, not your will. And that's what changes you. Does it? As does it ever. So it changed me. What I'm loving is I'm like when I meet someone like you, Paul. I'm like, it's almost like you know that film, The Matrix. Someone else got unplugged. Yes. 
someone else in all this Christianity that can be so fake, smoke, mirrors, makeup and noise, someone else has been unplugged and they get this. Yeah. But it's a word. You said something interesting before we, we came on to, uh, to this meeting, Paul, and that was that, you know, you said that you spend different times with, like, Ray, one of our pastors, mm. and, and you set these Bible studies up for a lot of people to be involved, but no one else comes to them. Mm. But you said, that's awesome because it gives me undivided attention. And you said something about the parallel, because so many parallels between boxing and yeah. training. Just, just say what you said, because I thought it was brilliant. Well, when I do one-to-one with a kid, or any, any, any of my fighters, and you give them that hour, you, get, you, can train, you can get so much into them in that hour, but if you're in, a, in, the, in the boxing gym and there's so many of them, you, you can only give them like 30 seconds or a minute, and, and what you give them in that hour will take them six weeks to, to, to realise what you're trying to get into them. So this Bible stuff we've been having with past away has been absolutely a blessing. So, yeah. when, so when you turn up to, uh, to like a gym where, where we're going to be doing God, learning about God, and ain't no one there, you're like, happy days. Yeah. Happy yeah. days, undivided attention. Yes. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Now, Paul, we were sharing the last couple of weeks about how, obviously, our lives go through being awoken by God, and, and I can see that awakening in your life, and how you, God then journeys us through this consecration, setting our lives apart from him, submission to God, and just bringing it all before the Lord. But then we had that week that we spoke of, and boy, didn't Sean and Paula do a great job last week oh, breaking down those messages. They come to that point where God wants to use us. And I just love how God's using your life, that you're learning how to communicate him. And again, in the workplace where you're dealing with builders, and, and, and that's, my goodness, there ain't no foreign country or mission field that's going to match that, mate. <laughs> if you can stand up for God, again, when your reactions, now, speaking to some, someone that dabbled in boxing, didn't do much, but it's all about your reactions. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. about your react. When you were able to be pushed mm-hmm. in a workplace like that, yet find different reactions, that's Holy Ghost. That's, that's God in you mm-hmm. doing stuff, isn't there? Amen. But what I love, Dirk, uh, this is, I, I, I don't know if you knew I was going to share this, but I think I will anyway, because uh, you know me, I kind of make it up as I go along. And I just think this is brilliant that, all right, that's a couple of years ago that God really started to call your life. You've had your head down. And uh, it was about three or four Sundays ago, you came to me and you said, Andy, Andy, <coughs> These guys in India have asked me to, to preach to them. Um, and, and you were looking for me to go, well, you're going to need to wait a couple of years, but weren't you? you and, and you were like, these people in India in this village have asked me if I will come into their village on, on the screen and, and just tell them about Jesus. Yeah. And you've been involved in providing some blankets and some orphan support and stuff like that, but you never expect... And I never get on that Sunday, you came up and, and you were like... Yeah, they're asking me to share on Jesus, but I can't do it. And you, you were like expecting me to go, oh, yeah, yeah, mm. calm down, Paul. Mm. But I said, no, no, you need to do it. Yeah. You need to do it. Yeah. And then Julie came up and she said, yeah, he needs to do it. I said, yeah, he needs to do it. So me and Julie were like, he needs to do it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then we started talking and, and I thought it was going to be weeks away. <clears throat> and I said, you said, I'm not sure how to work through translators. And I said, not a problem, Paul. We can do that, mate. It's easy. You just got to speak slow. You know, Hello, how are you? Glad you, and I was getting ready to, to kind of show you how to work through a translator and that. Then the next Saturday morning, I'm, I'm praying. I'm just spending some time with God. And the phone rings. I think, oh, it's Paul. Let me, hey, how you doing, Paul? And you go, I did it. Hmm. I'm like, but yeah. we haven't even had our training on how to work with translators or anything yet. <laughs> he said, I did it. Yeah. And there was about 40, wasn't there? Yeah. 
Yeah. And you were able to share Jesus with them. And, and, mm. the, and God was showing you clearly, he doesn't want you to be Joel Houston. He doesn't mm. want you to be Benny Hinn. No. He wants you to be Paul Dyer. Mm. And then I said, are you going to do it next week? You said, oh, yeah. And then they gathered 100 people mm-hmm. or so in a village the yeah. following week. Mm. And you're just leading them through an understanding of who Jesus is and how he's changed his life. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, Paul, that's a great way to start a Saturday, isn't it? Before yeah. you leave home, mm-hmm. you've spent an hour bringing Jesus into a village somewhere in a remote part of India. Mm. Tell me the fulfillment that brings you. Oh, man. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, well, just, just going through the whole of that process. I, the funny, funny thing is, when I was, I was praying, I was journaling things down. And it was about a year prior to that, it was saying I was going to be doing this. And that's the amazing thing about journaling and praying. You think, look, dude, I said, look, look, look. They said I'll be doing this, I'm doing it. And it just, it just come about. And... Um, and I started talking, I thought, right, if I can stand in, in the ring and face guys that's going to hurt me, I can talk to people, surely. And I needed that green light off of you to say, go for it. You just blast say, yeah, do it. I went, shall I? I went, yeah, do it. And I went, well, I want to do it then. And, and the, 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 the buzz I got out of just, just sharing the word for me, it started off at first at nine, then it went to 30, and it was 60, and it was 100. And now we've got a speaker. I'm planning, he's going to get a speaker. I'll put out some money to get a speaker. And we're trying to get 200 people there. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm sitting there talking to these people, but I feel blessed that I can just share the word with You're them. You're sitting at home with a brew, a cup of tea, yeah. um, on your couch, yeah. telling 100 people and then praying for everyone that's sick yeah. and giving hope to yeah. the hopeless. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were talking, I said, Paul, don't talk about the differences of life, what they're experiencing versus... It's not about that. No. Don't talk about... Talk about what you've all got in common which is Jesus yeah. Christ and yeah. what he's done on the cross. Yeah. And I know each week you're leading those guys through uh, families. They're all sitting there. You send yeah. me photos of whole families sitting there yeah. um, on dusty ground, mm-hmm. listening. And if a boxer just sat there and ate, ain't going to work, is it? Yeah. Any other parallels between what you knew in boxing? Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in there, right? I'm, yeah. a, um, <laughs> I'm in there, you know, I've visited the, the arena there, you know. But any parallels, you other things that you said, you know what, this is what I learned training for boxing and boxing, but really carry over to, to what you've learned about walking with God? So basically, you've got to be obedient in boxing. You've got, to be, you've, got, you've got to be dedicated. Same thing with your spiritual walk with God. You've got to be obedient. You've got to give him everything to experience what he can give you back. Because he's will. He won't force you to read that Bible. Mm. He won't force you to pray. That's not our Lord we serve. But you've got to give everything over, the same as a boxer. You've got to give everything you've got, and then you'll get things out of it. you get things coming back out. So whatever you put in, you will get back out. Now, you said early on in the interview, Paul, that what you learned in boxing was the need for discipline. Discipline. Obedience of discipline, yeah. And discipline determines what you get out? Yes. And that's the same with God, right? Yeah, too right. Not yeah. religious discipline, like, oh, no, I've got to read my Bible, no, but just... no. Taking the time. Well, I get up every morning really early. I get up at five o'clock. I don't be picked up to about six or seven. I get up at five, four or three o'clock sometimes, and I sit there hour, two hours, praying, reading my Bible. Because what this is what's in. When I open that door, that that's that's the wall out there. That's that's where the enemy is out there at my door in the world. So I've got to be ready, and it determines my day. When I open that door, I'm ready, and I'm up for. Yeah. I'm in the word. I'm ready. I've got my battle armor on, yeah. you know. But if I, I've missed one or two times, I've missed it, and I felt I was a different person that day. I weren't quite ready. I weren't. So you've got to be. It's like a racing car. You've got to tune it all the time to be the first to the back, to be the fastest one. Always got to be tuning it all that's the time. It's just about walking with Jesus, right? Yeah, that's it. Same thing. That, hey, Jesus, you're with me today. Yeah. Um, 
Paul, pe people are watching this, and I hope this is going all over the place. I hope that some of the people that know you from work in different settings, you know, pubs you used to go, I hope people just watching this uh, going, all right, this makes sense. We were watching as spectators, like I did when you were in the ring. I didn't know what it was like being in the ring. Uh, I felt it when you got hit mm. and thought, I'm glad that's not me. Huh. I must admit that, you know. Um, but people are watching this going, you've helped make sense of this, Paul. You've told a real story. Mm. Somebody watching today, I want you in a minute to stare in that camera and say to a person that's watching this saying, I don't really know God or, or why, why should I give my life to God? What will happen if I do? Just, just boom, I want you to hit it in that camera and tell someone why they need Jesus. You need Jesus for, for, for many of us, whether you're a child or, or a grown person, you can't do it on your own. Don't, don't, be, don't be embarrassed about Jesus because, listen, we all, we all need God. We all think we can do it on our own. We all think we've got it together. But listen, when, when them trials and tribulations comes along, you realise that you need God. Yeah, and he gives you, listen, you can't find it out of a bottle. Can't, a dealer can't give you it. A bottle can't give it to you. A sport can't give it to you. Any, any material things, joy, can't, can't give it to you. The peace, the joy, the love that Jesus gives you, you can't get it anywhere else, nowhere else. And this is why you need Jesus in your life. And I urge everyone, listen, please turn to him because what I'm a living example, what I'm experiencing, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just, it's just mind-blowing. I just can't put it into words sometimes. That's why you need him. That's awesome, Paul. I love that. Just honestly, he changes your life. Oh, God. God, you know, when people say to me, you know, oh, I don't do religion, I'm like, no, no. me neither. Religion couldn't handle this. Couldn't handle no. this. No. Jesus could. Yeah. And he changes life. Listen, we're, we're going to pray as we close this morning. Been some great testimonies from Sandy and from Jono, from Hannah, for yourself. Thanks for coming in today and doing oh, this. Oh, I feel honoured. Thank you. To me, I'm just going to keep chucking challenges at you now. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to just be chucking. Uh, what, what's another challenge for poor Lord? How can we, uh, you know, that's, I'm going to be all over that. But I, I want us to pray. I want you to pray in a minute. Okay. And I want to, you know, normally we, when we end Sundays like this, we say we're going to pray a prayer. And if you're watching and you don't know Jesus or you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to come back to God. Just pray this prayer and no religion. In a minute, God will hear that and it's a done deal. And like you in that service, the change starts and everything turns. Mm -hmm. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus you want to know Jesus, you, you, you're backslidden, you've walked away from God, but you know it's time to come back. Paul's going to lead us in a quick prayer. And when he says amen at the end, we're not going to ask you to kind of follow the prayer. Feel free to have a go. But when he says amen at the end, when you say amen, you're owning that prayer and God's going to hear your heart and he's going to work with you like he's worked with Paul and with me and with so many others that make up what family church is in the different congregations. Let's just close our eyes, eh? And just lead us in a prayer and then give a big amen at the end, Paul. Father, I thank you for today. To, to, I can share your word with everyone, everyone to know that what you've done in my life can also do in their lives. Any backsliders there, that Jesus is there, he's, he'll always be there for you. You just need to get back into him and he'll have you with open arms. Father, I pray that just, and feel blessed that what you've done in my life and the things that you can do for others, Father. And I thank you for our pastors and our leaders of the church to help us 
to connect with God and help us walk us through it with his words. Thank you, Father. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, God, we just thank you for what you've done in Paul's life. And thank you right now across homes and the workplaces, people are saying, is it that simple? Yeah, Lord, thank you as we acknowledge you, Jesus, as the Son of God and the one who saved us and we call you Saviour. Lord, it's a done deal. Like Paul says, Father, it's a done deal. And we just give that a huge amen. 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 Hey, if that's you and you're watching, just give it an amen. That means so be it. Amen's not a religion. It just means bring it on, let it be, so be it. And if you've prayed that, we want to hear from you. And all you need to do is contact me at andy at family.church. It's that simple. Love to hear a story of how God spoke to you this morning. Well, Paul, brilliant, mate. Love that. Thank Thank you you. for just sharing with us. Hope you've enjoyed watching this. Next week, we're going to be starting somewhat of a new series. So make sure that you're tuning. Got some great stuff on our heart where God wants to lead us next. Um, And just loving everything that God's doing in this year called 2021. God bless.